0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Another great program. Perfect timing, by the way. In a few moments, we'll talk with Mark Mix, who is the head of the National Right to Work Movement, who has had a keen eye on the teachers' unions and what the teachers' unions have been doing for decades. And obviously, that's coming home to roost, as we say, which (laughs) reminds me, our our later guest uh, on the program will be David Hora. Horowitz. And when I think about the, the chickens will come home to roost. Remember when uh, Jeremiah Wright, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, was yelling in his pulpit about America and how bad it was. And uh, and Barack Obama was a young state senator, maybe, or even before that, sitting there nodding his head. Well, our guest, David Horowitz, has written about how the left has targeted America for a long time. We'll visit with him uh, about what's going on, what he's seeing, which is always a, a, an enjoyment of um, Always enjoyable to listen to David Horowitz and his insight. I've got a question following up on one of his books uh, called Blitz Blitz. Uh It's called Trump. Trump will smash the left and win and uh, i got to follow up with that on that. So anyway, we'll get all that. But remember, the program is divided into four parts. First, what you need to know at the open here, a couple of stories, and then a main story for you, then two great interviews, and then we close with what you need to do, some steps you need to do. We'll get to that at at the end of the program or the podcast if you're listening there. Please remember, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, there you can find a way to sign up for a daily email. You can also uh, check out these great interviews. We post them as individual uh, standalone links you can do that and there's a lot more there and also uh, visit phyllis i think tomorrow we'll talk with john schlafly about his weekly column Uh, that's where that's archived and other stuff there so all right what you need to know today the daily wink what is it that's at top of mind again there's a lot of things out there right we still are getting inundated with messages on ukraine it's not clear what it all means i don't think it's clear to anyone Uh, Joe Biden late on, uh, I guess it was uh, Tuesday, gave a speech from the White House. I don't know. He sort of claimed that, yeah, things were under control. But I don't know. Does anybody really understand if they are? Not sure. Not sure. Um, there is uh, uh, I uh, received an essay from one of our guests, Jim Hollingsworth, earlier talking about inflation, uh, the impact of inflation and what it's having. He said his essay is uh, characterizing the inflation uptick as devastating for most working folks and low income folks. Not a lot heard on that. Not a lot heard about that. Oh, the Immigration problem, illegal immigration in this country. In fact, forget Ill- Ill- illegal immigration as the phrase. Just think of the border, which is wide open. Drugs coming, bad guys coming All sorts of problems, that's all going on All right. so there's a lot, we could talk about that However, what I want To talk about specifically, what you need to know And you'll see some coverage of this At least over on the conservative uh, Cable stations, is what happened In San Francisco on Tuesday And I've told you over And over again, the civil war in this Country politically, is within The Democrat party The Republican party has become Solidly whether you want to call it a Trump party or you want to just call it a, a center-right conservative party, it's pro-life. The Republican Party is pro-life. The, the Republican Party is pro-opportunity uh, uh, in all its forms. The Republican Party is pro-individuals versus the big government and big tech and big others. In, in fact, the Republican Party has turned into the party of free speech And especially in contrast to the left that wants to censor anything that they disagree with. So we have all this Republican. The Republican Party is unified within that. There are distinctions, right? There's some people that want to argue for this approach or that approach. But certainly there is a a unified vision of the Republican Party. Now, you call it Trump's party if you want, America First Party, if you want, MAGA, if you want. But there's some substantive positions. Seal the border, you know, close the border, build the wall. Big, big multilateral trade deals are bad for us. Big uh, Paris Accords are bad for us when they're us giving over money and sovereignty and China doing less. All that's there. The Democrat Party, on the other hand, is fighting amongst themselves tooth and nail. And they have a progressive wing that wants to defund the police. They have a progressive wing that wants that is in office. That's defunding the police. That's defunding, not defunding the prosecutors, defanging the prosecutors. So that in cities, you have prosecutors who will not actually sink their teeth into real cases and stop violence. They will pick and choose. The preferences, though, are based on a progressive far-left agenda. The progressive far left agenda not only uh, isn't the Republican Party has criticism of capitalism when it's crony capitalism, when it's capitalism that is uh, more about multinational uh, corporations than American corporations. But in general, the free market capitalist system with the rule of law works pretty well for growth, for individual opportunity. That's what conservatives, Republicans think within the Democrat Party. They are ready and willing to use government as the great leveler, they'll pick and choose. They'll pick who is favored and they'll pick and choose. Well, in San Francisco on Tuesday, the progressives who have dominated the school board, three of them were recalled and thrown out of office. And now you can't run in San Francisco. Years ago, there was the chairman of the San Francisco Republican Party. A nice guy whose name fails me. He ran for uh, office and ran for Congress. And he he you know, you, you just San Francisco is a Democrat city dramatically democrat right it's not close it's like 80 20 and so but what happened here the democrats the democrat party is split and and sane democrats i would say at least somewhat sane throughout the progressives who were running the school board in san francisco who were choosing you know politics and progressivism over kids They were choosing in the pandemic time when they're keeping kids either virtual or masked or other things disadvantaged. They were spending time, hours and hours and hours of board meetings and millions of dollars. I think it was millions to try to change the names of schools. And, you know, I I, I actually I don't I don't approve of any of it. Uh, I don't. Th- I think it's all misguided at this time. I think it's all sixteen nineteen project uh, insanity instead of figuring out how to, you know, obviously hold accountable the past for any failings, but don't get crazy. But in San Francisco, they're changing the name of Diane Feinstein Elementary School, or at least considering it, because she's not con- liberal enough, progressive enough. My point here is what happened in San Francisco is that a combination of Democrats, independents, some Republicans, and mostly concerned people, and I would say in a school board race, lots of parents and grandparents decided that they had enough of the agenda being forced on the people. Now, I'm at my desk, and I'm looking at my bookshelves in front of me, and one of the books that always jumps out at me when we're talking about this is Crimes of the Educators and how utopians are using government schools to destroy, destroy America's children. If you read that book, Alex Newman wrote it with the late Samuel Blumenfeld, you'll be stunned to see the impact of the teachers' unions, the impact of the far left, what they're doing to our kids. Here's what's interesting about this moment. What just happened in San Francisco is that the progressives went too far and were turned out of office now. The question becomes, will there be an appetite? Will there be an effort? Will there be a movement to get our schools back to educating our children instead of indoctrinating them? In Northern Virginia, I saw an email sent around. There was a sign on a table in a library in the Fairfax County schools. And the sign said, these are books that your parents or the adults don't want you to read. And they were all these books on all the, you know, kind of crazy liberal subjects. By the end of the day, because it got on social media, the the principal apologized and took the book, the the, the, uh, sign down. I don't even know what the books were. I don't know anything about it. I just know this. They have awakened the the. the, they have awakened the parents, the, the grandparents, the citizens to wanting to have a better thing happen in the schools, to have a better product, to have, a be- have more control. And whether you're someone who's in there saying, wait a second, why are you teaching this version of, say, sex ed or this version of history or they pick a topic? There's lots of different topics in there that some people are worried about. But in general, more eyes, more scrutiny, more attention on the on the system will be good for the system. Now, I would prefer that as the people are rising in these school board races and happen in San Francisco, as the people are rising That they look for more options, not just reform of the current, because it feels to me like you could probably replace far left progressives in the school board in San Francisco with some regular sounding Democrats. And the system will still be set up, in my opinion, to not do as well as it could to fail the kids too often. You could stop changing the names of the schools But if you're still teaching 1619 and critical race theory inspired stuff, you're still distorting these kids. You're still having a a system that's breaking down. That's what Crimes of the Educators by Alex Newman and Blumenfeld, uh, late Samuel Blumenfeld, talks about more specifically. But for now, what you see is the the people rising, the parents, grandparents, citizens saying, hey, we are not going to tolerate this. We're going to seek change, even in places like San Francisco that have a far, generally a far left electorate, I would say I think that's safe to say And so it is an extraordinary moment. We'll see what it yields. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk with Mark Mix, uh, head of the uh, National Right to Work. We'll see what he has to say on the school teachers' unions and that fact. We'll also talk in a few moments with David Horowitz, the great David Horowitz, and we will have a lot more. Uh, And uh, don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and check out all this stuff and sign up for what you need to know, the daily email, because uh, you'll get, understand this stuff, you get some links. I have a link up there to a, a Fox article. Uh, that, that says pretty clearly uh, who the people were, who the players were, what the sort of background of this San Francisco uh, school board race, what was going on there. So check that out, com. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back, Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, we're catching up. It's been a while since we talked with our old friend Mark Mix. Mark Mix is over at the National Right to Work Foundation. He wears a couple of different hats. That organization has been in, as I mentioned just now in my open of the show, has been in the uh, in the fields for decades, uh, making sure uh, that people understand what's going on, what's what their rights are, and in particular what uh, what the uh, unions, uh, u- the impact of unions. You know, Mark, I was thinking of you over the holidays because it looks like a lot more Americans understand that the school teachers unions really haven't been on their side. Now, you've been talking about that for 30 years. Is that feeling that we, you and I are having about what the parents and grandparents and the citizens feel? Is that holding true is it you and I is a wishful thinking we've been here before a little bit that we've hoped people turn the corner how do, you, how do you think how do you sense people feel about the teachers unions at this moment
2: well Ed I think you're spot on in your analysis and I think the reality is is that parents are waking up and if there's a silver lining of this whole COVID thing that's gone on for too long um, then it is the awareness of the power of the teachers' unions in the government school system, not only in state by state, but across the nation. I think the American public is getting an idea, and specifically parents and taxpayers are getting very good, a very good idea and lots of information about the power of a few, a handful of union officials, top union officials. This isn't about the teachers in the local school for the most part. This is about a political operation, Ed, that you know well, you've fought against for many, many years, just like we have. But it's about a radical agenda that is promulgated by a few of the top union bosses like Randy Weingarten in New York City, Mm -hmm. the head of the American Federation of Teachers, which is an AFL-CIO affiliate. You know, the government school system is controlled by a monopoly, and that monopoly is the teachers' union, and the power that they exercise over schools, over taxpayers, over citizens, and unfortunately over children is with you know the awareness of that is growing, and I think you're seeing a reaction to that not only here in Virginia that would happen in Loudoun County and was a major part of why Terry McAuliffe didn't get reelected to be governor of the Commonwealth, of Virginia, and why Glenn Youngkin did because Brian. he talked specifically to parents taxpayers about what was happening to their kids in the schools. So hopefully it's growing across the nation. We're getting a few signs of that, Ad frankly. Yeah,
1: I, I think so. And I think the, the key um, um, by the way, let me just pause and say Mark Mix, he heads up the national right to work uh, Legal Defense Foundation. I mentioned it uh, founded decades ago, 1968 um, uh, in this since 1968 in this fight saying, hey, wait a second. Why are we having compulsory unionism? What, what is the reality behind this? Uh, the union movement, not 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 anything you know, pro-worker, But wait a second, the unions are doing a lot of things that are different than pro-work. And and there is, by the way, also the National Right to Work Committee, two separate organizations in case they run together in your head. Uh, Mark, um, but... My worry on this, I, I, I told my listeners earlier in the program, I, I always go back to Alex Newman and Sam Blumenfeld, the late Sam Blumenfeld's book, Crimes of the Educators. When you read that and you realize what has happened over the last hundred years, you finish the book and you say, I, I don't want that system to be what educates my kids. And, and two years ago, three years ago, you would have said that system public education is generating the 1619 project and critical race theory, and all these things you're saying, and, and let not let alone sex ed stuff that makes you kind of shake your head at work at best, shake your head at worst, you know, curse the fates. But the question is, how do you sustain it? That the, the, you, you pointed to Yunkin, Yunkin's success, all these, I think they look like, I, liberals i mean democrats that are saying you know moms in northern virginia saying we're going to vote for yunkin because he's on our side we're not going to talk about the other issues how can that be sustained and then here's the key what can these men and women that get in office do to change the direction not just change the drapes
2: yeah well that you know most movements when they start and and ed you know from our political philosophy and our ideological philosophy if you will Generally, our side, our movement, basically gets involved to stop bad things, too. taking care of our kids, our businesses and running. And that, you know, the left does not do that. They understand that this is their agenda. They're, they're constantly involved, constantly expanding their power, constantly expanding government's control over our lives, and they're in it every day every day. And what's happened here is we've had, we've exposed their overreach when it comes to curriculum, when it comes to, you know, policy issues that school boards implement um, because the the wizard behind the curtain is the teachers union in many cases. 23 states give them this monopoly power to, they used to give them the monopoly power to compel workers to pay a fee in order to teach in the government school system. We helped solve that problem back with our Janus decision in 2018. But the energy that we're seeing today must be maintained. And we need a leader for that. I mean, I think Glenn Youngkin and his political consultants, I mean, when they're on the campaign, it's one thing. When they get elected, it's another. And, and unfortunately, we're kind of responsible for that, too. We let them get away with things and let down the pressure that's created in a situation like happened in Virginia last last November. I mean, continuing to maintain that is important. Well, I think public policy organizations have a role in that. I think you have a role in that. It, in fact, you're taking responsibility for raising the issue, getting it out through your network, through the listeners here to keep this thing going because this San Francisco story that I think you've already talked about should encourage parents to be even more engaged in the process and attend school board meetings and participate in local elections when it comes to electing these people because if we don't pay attention, I mean, if we don't pay, if we don't go to school board meetings, we don't pay attention or, and we trust our children to the government school system and many more parents are starting not to trust their 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 children to the government school system that's good news too but staying involved and keeping that movement sustained is really an important part of of the media's job of of organizations like our it's our job to continue to mobilize people on this and keep them motivated give them small things that they can do to continue this progress if we tell them we got to save the world tomorrow there's a school board meeting tonight there's a school board meeting next week that you got to attend. I mean, I ended up at a city council meeting in Fairfax City until 1:40 in the morning a couple of weeks back because one of the city councilors said, "Hey, you better show up because we're going to take more of your money." People I mean, showed up. That's what we have to do, Ed. And I know it's not easy. It's not simple, but it does require involvement. And I think the awareness of the issues now is causing an increased involvement, but your point is how do we sustain it?
1: Yeah. Uh, National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, nrtw.org. You go there, you'll find out a lot. Um, and I should say Mark Mix, he's the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, also the president of the, he mentioned the National Right to Work Committee, almost 3 million people, uh, members in that public policy effort. So you go go and, and start with uh, the website uh, nrtw.org and you'll see learn a lot there. Um, Mark, uh, the, the code. Covid, what's missed? What's missed to me? What is sometimes missed and lost is that the COVID um, payments—you know—they did lots of things, but there were hundreds of millions of dollars that were transferred from the federal treasury to the teachers' unions, ostensibly for uh, PPE training, and I think then there's a phrase, a magic phrase, like "and other," you know, uh, suitable purposes. But effectively, it was underwriting our teachers' unions. Dramatically. Now, it happened under Trump, too. I mean, I know you you're not you're no you're not afraid to criticize Republicans, too. I mean, you know, if you have to pick parties, probably the Republicans are more likely to be on, on the side of conservatism. But, I, you know, this 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 uh, teachers union battle, they just got reinforcements to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, I, maybe I'm overstating it. I know it's hundreds of millions to many of the districts. I, how how do you overcome that? Because that's the, at the end of the day, put your money filter on and follow the money. It's hard to beat that much money.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you hit on this, and, and it's a very important part, Ed. I mean, the, the states that were in the worst shape, whether it be their educational system or their local governments or their state governments when it comes to pensions, government, states that were bailed out by this COVID issue and the federal government's transfer of all this money. I mean, these states like Illinois and California, New York and Connecticut, New Jersey, they were on the cusp of financial ruin And all of a sudden, that mismanagement over all these years when it comes to basically kowtowing to union officials who are literally, again, the wizard behind the curtain when it comes to how governments run and how it's funded and how they spend their money, frankly. You know, these blue states, and I I hate to use the colors because another point you made that's really important, Ed, is in Virginia, it didn't matter whether you had an R or D behind your name. It's what you stood for. And that's why people crossed over and voted for Glenn Youngkin, because, he, as you said correctly, they thought he was on their side. And so it's not a partisan issue. Ed, you know this. You've been around a long time. The Democrats, we know where they stand on these issues. They are, they are sincere. They're sincerely wrong. But they, the one thing you can say to them is they're usually, they usually move in packs. It's the Republican Party that really where the problem is and where the real fight it needs to be sustained because getting back to the money. I mean, yes, the teachers union got all this money and it was allegedly for these things. But ultimately what it does is it just applies another couple of years of life support for a system that is inherently broken. And the government school system is inherently broken because it's controlled by radical teachers' unions officials who basically sit on the same side of the table as most school boards in the country, most city councils in the country, most county commissions in the country. And when they're sitting down and negotiate the terms of how they're going to use Ed Martin's money, you know, to expand this radical agenda, you know, we're not at the table. The taxpayers, the parents and the citizens are not at the table. And that gets back to the point that you made before. How do we solve that problem? You know, I think the founding fathers put it best. This is a republican form of government not you know big R small r however you want to do this not because republican party but it's republican in that we loan our power to elected officials and in order to maintain that system of government, we have to hold them accountable. We have to know what they're doing. We have to be educated about what they're, what they're doing because otherwise it goes off the rails like it has. And it's been exposed. Fortunately, we've gotten an opportunity to see just how off the rails it is and people are responding and we've got it. To-
1: We're talking with Mark mix and he's the president of the national right to work, legal defense foundation. Uh, again, uh, go to nrtw.org. Uh, Mark, I, I will now get in trouble with my producer for going too long, but I have to ask you this question. Um, in your experience of the movement of, of, you know, you work so hard to get awareness. So, you know, you have a situation, you know, in 1995, Mark Mix and his team look, and they say, let's, let's make clear to people how this issue is affecting them. You work on it, you have a campaign, whatever it is, and you hope that it, it makes, and you make a difference. At some point you get, you know, different kinds of, of, of shifts. Um, now it feels like people sustain their attention on a quote unquote, movement for about 10 minutes. And so, yes, they're absolutely apoplectic about masks as they were apoplectic last year about virtual learning, where the school teachers are telling you X, it's really not them. It's the school uh, unions. The principal says why it's not really the principal, it's the teacher's unions. So, but again, I'm not talking, I'm not necessarily, it's almost like, how do you continue to highlight this? Because if the next, and it may be politics, if the next, leader of the, say, I don't know, MAGA movement or whatever isn't clear about how to win that argument um, and win the argument, not just be right about it. I don't I don't know that we're not lurching back to the same problem because parents end up back busy. And they say, I mean, you and I both know the problems of the schools were just as bad five years ago. But most people were busy and they don't want to be told that they're, they put their kids in a place that's not good for them. And yet and then, and then COVID hits and they say, huh, I see that. That's a problem. I, I just wonder if we're going to have this lurching back. And the, that's what the left is counting on a uh, short term memory.
2: Yeah, that's right. And you know, that old dialectic of two steps forward, one step back, you'll see governors like Pritzker and Newsom, political science is part of this now, science anymore at its political science and calculating what this means for their next election or for their party's next election. Most, most importantly, their individual elections, frankly, you're starting to see they'll, they'll take a step back and that will that's designed to make people slow down and say, take a breath. OK, we solved this problem immediately. And to your point, I mean, they, they will do that. They're doing it right now as we speak, because they know that the wind that's blowing against them in 2022 is a solid I don't I don't know if it's a gale force yet but it's a stead to throw your spinnaker up if you're a sailing man you need a motor to be moving political and so what we have to do is we have to have leaders to your point I think Donald Trump did that I mean all notwithstanding all the other points about Donald Trump the one thing he did is he gave people confidence he talked about issues that mattered he got people engaged got them fired up and that movement sustained him through the 2016 election no question about that the fact that he stood up on issues that politicians radically try to oppose because they're, quote, too controversial or it may cost them something. I don't think Trump cared, frankly. I mean, it, that was- it didn't, it, it, didn't, it didn't seem to. And then in office
1: is another question. I got to run, unfortunately. Mark Mix, uh, we appreciate you very much. National Right to Work, uh, Legal Defense Foundation. I'll put it up on social media. Uh, thank you, Mark, as always. And we'll be back in touch again soon. Appreciate it, Ed. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, everybody. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, It is great to welcome my old friend, David Horowitz. It's been a long time since I've had him on the program. Uh, David, I wanted to ask you, before we get to some of the other things, your newest book from the fall, but the world after Trump. um, I remember Blitz. I'm I'm looking at Blitz on my desk, the book
3: you wrote about how Trump will beat the left.
1: Did he really beat them or did they win?
3: He, He won. That was a fixed election. I mean, this is ridiculous. You can tell by the cover-up. Democrats don't want to examine the evidence anywhere. They fight it, and they fight it because they fixed it. And it's just stupid Republicans that are responsible. Five of the six battleground states, the legislatures, are controlled by Republicans and they said, you know, Republicans are like, oh, it's bad for the country if you question an election, even if it was stolen. That's really right. Right.
1: Um, so we're talking with David Horowitz, by the way, his book, which we'll talk about in a moment, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America, came out uh, a few months ago. Uh, but before we get to that, um, will Trump come back? At this point, is Trump going to come back and run for president and be president, do you think? Yes.
3: Yeah, I, and- I- you know you know some Republicans have qualms about Trump because he arouses such hostility, but that right. that's going to be true of any republican candidate i mean every Every candidate we've run in the last twenty years has been called a racist that's um true. Uh, that's true. They, yeah. Can you imagine if
1: it was like Josh Hawley running for president, Senator Hawley? They'd call him a white supremacist. They'd call him every name here. That's that's a good point. And, and uh, call them liberals.
3: They're right. fascists. They're right. 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 And fascists is what Joe Biden and his, all these idiots he's put in, you know, in, in positions of power. It's it's disgraceful, the Biden administration. These people are so stupid. How do we even listen to somebody like AOC? She's a (laughs)
1: moron. We're talking with uh, David Horowitz. Frontpagemag.com is one of his websites. He's, of course, a a best-selling author many times over. Um, David, I can't breathe how a racial hoax is killing America. It seems to me the goal of the fascist left is to divide America. So the hyphenated America movement, is, des- is doing just what they wanted. They wanted people to be at each other's throats over the hyphens in their in their lives. The only question I have for you is, is it working for the general public, or is it the media and the, and the elites that do it, and everybody else is hiding under their
3: desk? I think that people are, are waking up in droves. I mean, just what's happening in Canada. is just right? amazing how the people have come out to defend freedom, the parents and the schools. You know, I, I wrote—I think five books on how the communists had taken over our education system, right. right? Twenty years ago, and and nobody actually was. I mean, you know, the book sold well, but certainly nobody with power was listening. Uh, certainly not Republicans. They did nothing while this happened. So right. They way behind the curve, but people are finally understanding how sinister these people are. They have no respect for youth, youthful innocence. They, they have no no principles except power. Uh, right. Very dangerous. Uh, David Horowitz is our guest and uh,
1: best-selling author, of course, and uh, his newest book is, uh, is out, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. Um, David, the... Uh, the media, though, however, and the power of big tech plus the media. An example I give this week is that on Friday or over the weekend, the Durham report basically revealed uh, that the law firm, the same law firm that was used in 2020 to engineer the fortified elections. So they use that term themselves, uh, was used to wiretap uh, the Donald Trump campaign and then his White House. Forget about the underlying facts. You would not be surprised by the underlying facts. You would say they do anything for power. They'll do anything for power, and they're shameless, and they don't care. But but we have a media that doesn't cover any of it. The New York Times wrote a story debunking the non-factual parts of the story, and that's it. No one's covering it.
3: Well, of course, because they're all part of the conspiracy, if you like. Look, th- the problem here is not Joe Biden or that— Wretched woman, Hillary Clinton. The problem is the Democrat Party as a whole. Where are the Democrats standing up against these horrors that are being committed? They tried a coup and they tried it over and over again. Pelosi tried to impeach Trump four times. She succeeded. Well, she didn't succeed, did she? Yeah yeah well, not really, but yeah um, oh, judges and this whole January sixth thing is a hoax. I mean it, you know people have eyes, and after a while they you know at first, they can't believe that Americans would do this, but then you know they see, and I think they're seeing this uh, this racial hoax I've written about what I did was I took twenty six of the prominent martyrs that Black Lives Matter claim were just murdered by police because they were Black. And they showed this is all based on lies. And you can do it, you know, from Wikipedia. It's not like these are concealed facts. Um, You know, was George Floyd, was there a racial element in George Floyd's death? No, there wasn't. George, uh, Derek Chauvin, the police officer who had his knee on, on Floyd's neck, was married to a black woman. Right. Uh, Ellison, the chief prosecutor in Minnesota, is the attorney general. He served he's a racist and a black racist, served you know, almost 12 years as a spokesman for Louis Farrakhan, when he, he's the attorney general for Minnesota. He was asked by 60 Minutes uh, after the chauvin was convicted. Um, if there was a racial element in the in the death of George Floyd, and he said, "No, we looked for one, but we couldn't find one." If right. we could not find one, it's not there. And yet, right. two billion dollars in damages done to American cities, buildings burned, uh, people killed, murdered, uh, a crime wave triggered uh, that led to has led. The deaths of several thousand black people uh, in this crime wave. All of this is Black Lives Matter are a bunch of criminal liars and crimi- and they're just criminals. Their demonstrations mm-hmm. were illegal. Their uh, intentions are malicious, uh, and they're compulsive liars.
1: Uh, we're, we're talking with David Horwitz. David, because I'm going to run out of time, I want to interrupt you. The book again as I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. But I want to ask you a different question, because some of your books, and I, I, earlier in my program, I in the open, I talked about how I like those books where you tell people what's happening and then what to do, how to fight back. So the Republicans appear to be likely to win the House in the fall, in 2022, in the, in the house, U.S. House, maybe the Senate too. But the problem is most times they don't really know how to fight. So when they win, they get uh, the media and everyone says, well, it's not time to look backwards. Let's look forwards. It's not time to. Uh, and, and what happens in, in 2022 after they win and don't do anything? They're afraid to fight.
3: Look, I mean, I, you know, my Twitter feed is full of, you know, Republicans who seem to have fight in them, like Jim Jordan, pointing out the double standards. Who doesn't know that there's this monstrous double standard <laughs> right? on right. Republicans and Democrats? Why aren't Republicans... Look, Biden's been exposed. He's a criminal smuggler. He's smuggling illegal aliens, terrorists, sex traffickers, you know, cr- cartel members into the country. He's flying them in the middle of the night at taxpayer expense, which is ripping—I mean, I don't know if it's illegal to rip off taxpayers this way—but I certainly <laughs> pay my taxes. To, you know, for planes to fly, people who have broken into our country illegally, invaded it uh, all over the country. Why aren't the Republicans crying that he's a criminal? He's a, right. Every time he moves his lips, he lies. He's incompetent. Uh, and everybody around him is supporting him. This isn't, it's not just a problem. I mean, the greatest crime the Democrats have committed was putting this guy up for president. He's a bastard. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and, and to, David, to David, to your point is that uh, how many times are you going to say there's a double standard or the other side is hypocrites when what you really need to do is, is change and modify their behavior, raise the cost of doing what they're doing? Uh, unfortunately, David, I, I, I got to go, go. And they're anti-Americans. Yeah. I got to run, David. I I appreciate you, David Horowitz. We'll put it up on social media. Uh, He's the best, and his books are great, and I will put it up there. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: Rural America remains an untapped reservoir of support for Republicans, There's not much more in voter turnout that can be found in big cities, but statewide elections can be swung to the GOP column by increasing the historically low turnout among rural voters. The avalanche of more than 20 retirements by Democrat congressmen suggests that Senator Joe Manchin's approach of standing up for rural interests is in line with the political future. Two years ago, only nine Democrats had announced retirements by this time. These are not merely politicians at the end of a long career who are calling it quits. Young Democrats thought to be emerging leaders are also leaving Congress. This giving up by Democrats occurs amid new polling that shows a historic defection of the youth from President Joe Biden. Without a strong turnout by young voters, his party has no chance of holding on to power in Congress or in the White House in 2024. An independent poll by YouGov Economist confirms that the biggest drop in support for Joe Biden is among young voters, of whom only 29% approve of his job performance. Fully half of young voters disapprove of Biden now, giving him a negative 21-point rating for this key demographic. This is the worst rating for Biden among any group. The party that was built on youthful enthusiasm by the likes of JFK and Bill Clinton has become an anachronistic dinosaur that Senator Joe Manchin is prophetic to stand up against. Meanwhile, Republicans stand poised to make huge gains with both rural and young voters. Young voters are tired of being told to put their lives on hold with ineffective COVID restrictions. Rural voters are tired of huge spending packages giving billions of dollars to city dwellers' special interests. Candidates shouldn't make the mistake of professional pollsters, who seem to believe that voting blocks are monolithic entities with identical interests. But neither should the candidates discount the values commonly held by key demographics. Recent trends indicate a willingness to disregard or even punish incumbency. So politicians need to be put on notice. Empty election year promises aren't going to work anymore.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Got to be very fast today because we covered so much ground with our guests. Uh, please be reminded, proamericareport.com. Here's something you can do. Here, you want to what you need to do today? I'll mention two books that I talked about today. One is Crimes of the Educators How Utopians Are Using Government Schools to Destroy America's Children. Samuel Blumenfeld and Alex Newman, the late Samuel Blumenfeld. Uh, get that book get that book. It is really useful. It was written in 2014. Very useful book. The second one that I mentioned was Horowitz, David Horowitz Blitz. Trump will smash the left and win. It's a good one. I gotta say, if you want to go get uh, some of uh, Horowitz's books, I kind of like his books where he is um, telling you exactly what to do. Um, And uh, one of those that I like is uh, um, in Dark Agenda, one of his is about how to fight back on religious liberty. So check those out. Thank you to Chris, our producer, filling in for Noah, and Joanna, our associate producer. Be back tomorrow, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report.